Swear I got a couple plans, I chill with the camp. Tryna make a couple bands, I chill. Going hard, baby. Ain't nobody playing, I chill. I'm a god, but they calling me the man, I chill. Welcome to the B-Block Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Scott. I appreciate you for joining me. The Texans made it through the trade deadline without anything really happening at all. All of the players that were on this team before the bye week and before the trade deadline are still there. Will Fuller, J.J. Watt, all the receivers, Whitney Merciless, anybody that you may have thought of trading or wanting to see traded or curious about seeing traded, of course, you're well aware now that none of those players got traded. And as we transition into the second part of the season, which it doesn't feel like the Texans are really playing for much at one and six, it's hard to look at the math and look at what this team has done so far and how they've looked so far and feel like there is a way or a path to turning this season around in like a meaningful way as far as this season is concerned. But in the immediacy here going into this part of the season the story right now is actually the health of the team and what's going on with COVID-19 which for a while we were able to kind of put on the back burner kind of ignore kind of pretend like that wasn't going to be an issue here like that wasn't really happening in-house but as we've seen over the last couple of weeks with Max Sharping, offensive lineman Max Sharping testing positive last week and this week, Jacob Martin testing positive, And then that subsequently meaning that his close contacts would be disqualified for the next five days or have to self-isolate for the next five days. Turns out that that's Whitney Merciless and Dylan Cole. And so your linebacking core is depleted. From a, comp- from a competition standpoint, but from a health and human safety standpoint, you've got two players now that have tested positive for this virus that you know of. And it's it's uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. We'll get into that a little bit later. My thoughts on playing during this pandemic and like the sort of the guilty pleasure of it all because I'm I'm enjoying every minute of it I got to be honest with y'all even though the Texans are one and six and from a competition standpoint the team is just not as compelling as you would have liked for them to be or as compelling as you would like for whatever team it is that you follow cover or root for to be but I can't say I'm not enjoying it I can't say that I'm not out here rooting for it every week to go without a hitch. And clearly it has not done so. It is clear that this is not going to go without a hitch and we're going to have some issues. It was even in question at one point as to whether we would have this game between the Texans and the Jaguars on Sunday. Now they practiced on Friday and It seems like everything is good to go. They're not going to be postponing this game or anything like that, but it's just important to realize, you know, if you look at how things have been trending across the league, I think at one point this week there were 13 teams that were dealing with this. We obviously know what happened with the Tennessee Titans earlier in the season. 
and we saw what happened in baseball. Like this is this could get messy and this can get really difficult for a football team to deal with. Like, I mean, you look at the San Francisco 49ers as an example of a team that was unrecognizable when they were out there the other night on Thursday night against the Packers because everybody's either out with some kind of injury or COVID or whatever it is. So this has this has the potential to get a little haywire. The upside of it, of course, for Texans fans who are sick of watching what has been shown on the field so far is that if they don't get COVID, the younger players are going to get a chance to play. That's the big story, right? With 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 Whitney Merciless not being able to play, more Jonathan Grenard. That's the rookie that I've been most excited about since the draft and feel like I've seen the least of out of the ones that you should feel excited about. Like obviously Char, Char, uh, what is it? Charlie Heck, the offensive lineman, has not seen the field, but I did not expect him to see the field. Jonathan Renard, we did expect to see the field. One of the big things that came up during the week was whether the Texans are or should be in a rebuilding mindset or mode or phase. And I feel like J.J. Watt got us into a fun discussion of semantics, whether the Texans are rebuilding. Like, this has really been debated. But it seems obvious to me that the Texans are rebuilding on some level and to some degree. But it's just a strange case because normally when you're rebuilding, you're not doing it with a quarterback. You're usually rebuilding to find a quarterback. And the Texans aren't there. They're not looking for a quarterback. They have one. That's probably why when I asked Deshaun Watson about whether he thought that the team was rebuilding, he said no. I'm pretty sure Deshaun feels like he's the building block. You don't need to rebuild with Deshaun Watson. But to me, that's what really makes this the most fascinating of it all, is that they're rebuilding with a quarterback, which is not something that teams really do or normally do. I think about the Detroit Lions, who haven't been very good or at least been no better than average really and they haven't really been rebuilding because they do have a quarterback like they have Matthew Stafford they have sort of the thing for the last how long has he been there 11 10 11 years for the last more than a decade have had the guy at quarterback I know that there were questions at one point as to whether he was the guy but he is the guy he is a that's a franchise quarterback and a franchise that has not been able to piece it all together and I'm worried about the Texans becoming the Lions or Deshaun Watson becoming Matthew Stafford here's Deshaun Watson when I asked him about how involved he wants to be in the process of bringing in new leadership and also whether he views this as a rebuild I want to be involved in the process of being the you know franchise quarterback you know what what the organization is a you know what the you know what we want to be here um exactly the foundation and, and the people that's going to be you know running this team and this organization along with the players and you know myself being the quarterback so of course i want to you know make sure that you know we all on the same page good energy and, and things like that and we're clicking the right way so yeah i mean the of course you're gonna hear rumors and things like that so i just you know stay focused on my tasks and what i can do and, and communicate with people but you know, I'm just here, you know, just trying to find ways to win games and try to turn the season around and, 
and then the, you know the whole coaching changing and new GM and things like that. Of course, you know I want to be involved, but right now my main focus is trying to turn the season around and, and try to get some wins and try to make a push. And then Deshaun, just the last thing, JJ just got off here and told us that you know he he doesn't want to be rebuilding or be in rebuilding mode. He wants to pursue a championship. I know that's everybody's goal. Uh, in this league, but as far as you, do you view this as a rebuilding project, or is it just is it just a matter of doing some of the things that you guys haven't been doing right? Do you view it as a as a rebuilding project? No, right I, don't, I don't. I don't view it as a, a rebuilding. I don't even think, you know, because every year is a new year. I mean, it's a new team. People are going in and out. People are getting traded. People are going and signing different contracts and free agency, coaches changes, all all types of different things. So, you know, it's just a stepping stone that we're just you know figuring out you know, the right pieces to the puzzle. And every year, every team is doing that. Even if you have, you know, teams that are, you know, sitting here undefeated are only one loss. You know, they're still trying to make sure that the roster and the things like that is, is churning and, and going in the right direction. So uh, you just got to continue to just take it one day at a time, one step at a time and, and figure it out. You know, I'm, I agree with JJ. I don't, I don't want to sit here and change everything. Uh, but I do want to win the championship eventually. And, and we got a long way to go. We got a lot of work to put in. So. Uh, that's that's our main focus. But right now, we're just trying to win, you know, one game at a time and try to flip the season around. So earlier, J.J. Watt had mentioned that it's no secret that he doesn't have 10 more years left to play and that he doesn't want to be in rebuilding mode. That was in response to a question as to whether he wants to finish his career as a Houston Texan, which read into it what you want, but... What he doesn't say, I think, is just as clear as what he does say. Which is, you know, what he does say is that he wants to win a championship and he doesn't want to rebuild. He also says what's in the best interest of the Houston Texans is in the best interest of myself. He doesn't say that he's got to finish his career here. I I think as a side note that when you go back and pay attention to what J.J. Watt says, that there are some there are some things to read into what is said and what is not said, but all of this rabbit hole, this entire rabbit hole of semantics starts with JJ Watt saying that he doesn't want to be in a rebuild when the Texans do appear to be in somewhat of an unusual rebuild. We can call it now. They don't want to call it that. I respect that. And I, to some degree, understand it for the reasons that have already been mentioned. But if we really want to break it down, the rebuild kind of started against their will. And I think it started without their knowledge and understanding, perhaps without all of our knowledge and understanding. And certainly before we actually realized, before we really realized what was happening. The rebuild starts with the Texans firing Brian Gain in June of 2019. I think that that is when the rebuild truly started. Now, I know a lot of things have happened since then. Some good things have happened since then. Some not so good things have happened since then. And it's hard to maybe even in retrospect, just look at that and place it as the line of demarcation or the moment when this rebuild starts happening. I mean, they did make the postseason. They didn't make an AFC divisional round game since then, right? Like they did play a playoff game, win a playoff game since then. That happened. 
But I think this whole thing starts when they fire Brian Gain without an adequate plan to replace him as general manager. Like that Nick Casario thing blew up in their faces. Blew up in their faces. And then we looked up and it was just Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby left in charge of the roster. That is when the rebuild started. Now, we might not have known it. We might not have been able to classify it as that at the time or identify it as that at the time. But when Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby were left in charge of this roster, Brian Gang was gone. That is when the rebuild started. Keep in mind, Brian Gang had been hired just a little over a year before then, right? And when he was hired, forget the narrative of Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain being in lockstep, different from how his relationship went with the previous general manager, Rick Smith. Forget the narrative, but realize what even the moment signified. Like, Brian Gain gets a five-year contract. Bill O'Brien gets a five-year extension. At the same time, they had joining matching deals, so to speak, as the ones who were going to be in lockstep, the general manager and the head coach. And then not even two years into the thing, they decide to get rid of the general manager but not the head coach and essentially replace the general manager with the head coach and he wins that power struggle. That is the beginning of the rebuild as we now know it. So for me, it's not that they're in a rebuild now. It's that they're a year into the rebuild. That's actually the way to look at it. Last season, maybe a little bit of fool's gold because Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby hadn't really had enough time to run the team into the ground. They had just enough time to trade away two first and a second for Tunsil, which was a good idea to go get to go get Tunsil. I'm not I'm not actually mad at the Laramie Tunsil deal, even though they don't have any draft picks because of it. I do think that was a good idea. But how clear was your desperation when you negotiated that? They traded away to Davian Clowney when they didn't have to which at the time only made sense if you were trading him for Tunsil, but they traded him anyway just to get rid of him. The headache, I suppose. McMartin got an extension last year. I'm curious if the new general manager or if any of the old ones, for that matter, would have done that. Whitney Merciless got a new contract or an extension at least last year. I'm curious if the new GM or if any of the old ones would have done that either. It's only a rebuild because Bill O'Brien tore it down. Bill O'Brien tore it down by trading or failing to sign good players and then not really replacing them when he did get rid of them. It really is that simple. I, like, Unfortunately, this is a bit of a rebuild, but only because it was torn down unnecessarily. What is, I would say, encouraging about being in this position that you don't want to be in is having franchise players. You do have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. You do have an elite tackle to match that with Laramie Tunsil. You've really got bookend tackles between Tunsil and Howard, Titus Howard. So you're you're good there. If you can get marginally better at guard even, like you don't have to get great. If you can just get marginally better at guard and maybe find a running back group that you actually believe in that when you run them between the tackles, you actually believe in, or when you bring them in as receiving threats, you actually are motivated to throw them the ball. 
there's plenty here offensively. Especially if you bring Will Fuller back. And I think it's obvious that Deshaun is going to be involved in the process of finding a new head coach and finding new leadership here. And I, or at least he, it seems like he wants to be. He said he wants to be, and I expect him to be. Now, the uncomfortable part about the rebuild. Outside of Titus Howard, you don't really know if any of your draft picks from the last two years are any good. Outside of Titus Howard, you don't really know. This is actually another reason why I was lukewarm on the trade deadline about the prospect of making trades. I get that they need draft picks. I get how it's bad that they don't have them. But I don't know who is going to be managing the team and the receipts that I have on recent draft picks from who used to manage the team. It shows that the Texans don't really draft well. They don't really do that well, even with Rick Smith, right? Like, they're pretty good with the first-round pick. You usually feel good about the Texans' first-round pick, with some exceptions. But once you get past that, it gets a little bit dicey. And right now, we're looking at the last two draft classes, and we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Really damn near the last three, if you want to be real about it. But definitely the last two trying to figure out what exactly is going on with these draft classes. I mentioned Titus Howard. I think you can feel good about that. I think you can feel good about the Titus Howard pick in the first round. Normally, you feel good about a Texans pick in the first round. But Max Sharping is a mess right now. He got benched because he didn't like look as if he had been starting 14 games the year before. The coaches didn't feel like he'd made that jump, like he'd taken that leap that he needed to take in year two and then you got Lonnie Johnson who was also who was basically drafted with the next pick and he was drafted as a cornerback got moved to safety and they're trying to figure that out and I don't think that the plan normally is to draft a project safety in the second round as much as I like Lonnie Johnson that's not the look at all Kahali Waring has not played a single offensive snap and I think He's just played one game on special teams, and that was the season opener against the Chiefs, I'm pretty sure. If I'm not mistaken, he definitely has not taken an offensive snap, and we have no idea if he can play. Charles Aminahue, I still think Charles Aminahue is going to be good, but he ain't been all that good this year, so we don't know there. He's been all right. Was expecting more. Even if we want to go back to the 2018 draft class, I mean, that's Brian Gaines' first of two drafts, right? We just kind of went over the second one, the first of two drafts. Justin Reed's been your most consistent player. Kiki QT has fallen off the map. Don't understand why they won't at least throw him out there. He is, to me, seemingly more dynamic than DeAndre Carter. I do not know why it's experience that won't let him get out there when he can't get experience without experiencing it. You know, I don't, I've, I've never understood that. Um, I think they flipped Martinez Rankin into Carlos Hyde last year. Jordan Akins is starting to become a player for them. Um, but past that, there is not a lot there. There is not a lot there at all, really. And the fact of the matter is the Texans are rebuilding because they did a poor job of building from the start. And that's not J.J. Watt's fault. That's not Deshaun Watson's fault. But that is the reality of the situation. And as far as this game goes on Sunday, and hell, you might even hear this by the time the game is on or over, but I'm glad that the Rickers are going to get a chance to play. I'm glad that Jonathan Grenard is going to get a chance to play. It's like I mentioned before, he was the rookie 
who I was most excited about, the one that I thought could contribute most. I was unsure about how the change for Ross Blacklock was going to go because of how differently they were going to use him technique-wise from where he was at TCU uh, to here with the Texans. But I felt like Jonathan Grenard could come in and compete for a spot with Brennan Scarlett or Whitney Merciless right away. And so his injury, I think he had a hammy, or he had an injury during the training camp period that set him back significantly, apparently. And we haven't gotten a chance to see him. But with Whitney Merciless out, with Jacob Martin out, they don't really have much of a choice. I don't think that whatever we see from him is going to be indicative of what kind of player he's going to be necessarily. I'm, I'm not saying that to kind of set up the stage for him to be given an excuse for not being any good, but it's about damn time. It's about damn time that Jonathan Grenard gets out there, and I hope that John Reed gets some snaps at cornerback as well. Like, I, I didn't like in the season opener that he was getting so many snaps, and they did whatever they did with Lonnie Johnson, not him not playing in the first half or whatever was going on there. I wasn't a big fan of that then, but certainly now, especially considering that they've moved Lonnie to safety, Let's get John Reed out there. Let's see if he's a better player than Philip Gaines and Keon Cross. And I, I certainly hope that he is. He certainly needs to be. So there's the blessing in disguise with the COVID thing. But on a serious note, we cannot dismiss what's going on across the country, across sports and football, and on the Texans with this COVID thing. Like, this is a serious matter. <laughs> it really is. And, and it's hard to, you know, talk about fun and games and to fully immerse yourselves in the fun and games, but also try to take this thing seriously at the same time. It is a little difficult to multitask in that way, especially considering that some of this stuff is conflicting. Like it's a little bit conflicting to stress the importance of a football game, but then also and stress the importance of, of physically distancing hard to do but I do want us to just be mindful of how this is impacting our athletes we know that it's impacting normal people regular people everyday people it's not just a matter of testing positive and then testing negative it's not just a matter of not dying or being able to just get back on the field I know that's we care, what we care about from a competition standpoint from a standpoint of following and covering the sport, but I do think it would be irresponsible to not pay as close attention as we can to how this virus impacts the athletes. Like if we're going to cover the athletes, we have to really cover the athletes. And so we don't have any sense yet for what the impacts are on Max Sharpen. Like, like we don't know his symptoms. We don't know what we've been told from Romeo Cornell is that Max Sharping and Jacob Martin have both not necessarily been asymptomatic, but that their symptoms are minimal and they both actually want to play. But we have no idea how this thing is going to impact them long term. We have no idea how this thing is impacting players at large long term, but it is worth monitoring. It is worth paying attention to. It is something that we shouldn't just dismiss when we talk about 
sports like oh, okay well this guy's gone with COVID well, let, let's just move on next man up like the team I get that next man up but for us as observers and as for us as like responsible people in society we cannot just overlook what's happening here whereas the NFL had almost no positives to start and then right around the time when the wave the second wave comes for the country that wave starts to impact football. I'm just saying, let's be responsible and let's not pretend like this thing is not happening and like it's not significant. Appreciate you for listening.